Hello there, and welcome back to the Book Cross Lovers, your book lovers podcast by two lovers. I'm Jordan. And I'm Megan, and this is season one, episode nine. Niner, niner. Of Throne of Glass by Sarah J. Mess. Um, we are going to be going through chapters 41 through 46 today, and quite the action-packed set of chapters absolutely especially coming off of the last episode where it was just like dancing and lovey-dovey and yeah, all that balls and people's feelings and yeah all of the i mean some character kind of action if yeah. you will but definitely not action in the action sense of the word yeah so we get into that yeah right off the bat which is awesome it'll be great yeah so any overarching thoughts or do you want to? Um, yeah, I mean, we've got f- three pods left in the season. Uh, we including have 14, this one. Yeah, including yeah. this one. We've got 14 chapters and I feel like they, they start to run. Yeah. These chapters feel like they start to just sprint. It's like you're running a mile. And you're you you kick out of the gates pretty strong in the mile, but then you settle into a good pace for about three laps after that strong start, mm-hmm. and then it's like two hundred meters left. Yep. And everybody's like, "When can you kick? Can yep. you kick for two hundred? Can you kick for one hundred? And it feels like these chapters like kick. Yeah. And they start going real fast, and so I'm excited about that. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited, not that it's the close to being book one done, you know, season one done. Yeah. But, but because this isn't like a show where you run out of episodes. Yep. Or we're recapping a movie and you're like, well, we got to wait for the second movie. Yeah. It's like I get to read book two for the first time. And Immediately. there's like yeah. a million more books in front of me <laughs> or pages. Um, so I'm yes. excited for that not to be done with this, but just because, okay, there's even new story that I haven't got to experience yet. Yeah. So yeah, I'm excited. Those are those are my thoughts. Yeah. It'll be so exciting um, to get into book two. A lot of people say it's like the worst of the uh, series. Thanks for that. I don't agree. Oh, okay. With that. So you're not in the majority? No. Okay. I mean, I like all of the books in the series for like their own reasons. Um, but yeah, it's good. I was, cause you saw me going through and like plant plotting out all of our chapters and episodes for second season two. Mm-hmm. And I, as I was doing that, I was just reviewing the plot and yeah, getting super excited cause it just, it's a different type of story. I mean, obviously carrying on what's mm-hmm. happening in this one, but um, it's different. Yeah. So. Well, sure. Good. And as it should be, it should be different and things should move along and everything. With this being just a one-time reread for me, there was there's plenty in this segment of chapters and in the what we'll cover in the next two episodes. I've gone ahead. I couldn't wait. I just went ahead and read the rest. Um <laughs> And there's, there's plenty that I had either just forgotten or that 
you know, there's a certain degree of, of detail that you're mm-hmm. reading for when you're preparing for the show. It's just yeah. like there's some things that I didn't all like make all the connections. I was just kind of, you know, yeah, like you do. You you read a book and you almost do it like you're watching a movie and you're just yep. trying to see it and process it. Yeah. But this time through, I was like, yeah, just eating it up. And it was really good. So there are plenty of questions that I have going into, um, into that second season and into book two, but we've got to wrap up and tie up some storylines here and some plot lines yep. here and I guess open up some new ones because yep. I guess every time you, you end something, it's actually the beginning of something else. That's very insightful. Yeah. Well, let's do it. Let's get into <laughs> chapter 41. Alrighty. So my summary for chapter 41, Selena takes a trip to the tunnels beneath the castle and finally uncovers the truth of the murders. <laughs> What's your title? The Poised Darkness. Ooh. That's enticing. I mean, kind of scary, but you want to read what that chapter Amen. is? Thriller, sell. I guess so. I mean, I don't love thrillers, no. but anyways. Alrighty, so chapter 41 starts out. Selena, yet again, is in her rooms uh, at night. <laughs> That's like a theme Mm -hmm. of this book. The setting. Yeah. That is the setting. Uh, (laughs) Selena's room at night. Um, And this is the day after the ball. um, And she is reading her books. Um, Specifically, she's looking at um, word mark books and trying to discern anything that she can Mm -hmm. about them. Um, She's thinking to herself, I need to learn how to read these. I wonder how long Nehemia took to learn this language. Um, and then her thoughts kind of go back to Nehemia and shame kind of comes over her that she would think that Nehemia was capable of doing any kind of wrong by the people in the capital and specifically in the castle at the ball um, because quote unquote Nehemia was one of the good ones. And I'm like, yeah, I agree. (laughs) Um, And so then she's like reading and turns the page and she stumbles across something that made her kind of stop. Um, She notices one of the symbols that she'd seen near the bodies in the book. And then there's this... um, I guess these notes in yeah. the margin well, annotation. That somebody had written and it says for sacrifices to the Ritterach using the victim's blood, marking the area around it accordingly. Once the creature has been summoned, these marks guide the exchange for the flesh of the sacrifice. The beast will grant you the victim's strength. So Selena basically just stumbles across the truth of what she now believes is what has been the cause of the murders, right? This, this Ritterac. Um, and she's wondering like, where was, is it coming from? And then she remembers the word gates. Um, and then she starts thinking like, how do word gates and word marks even work if like magic doesn't work? Right. Right. So they must 
exist outside of magic. Yeah. I mean, at this point, you're kind of looking at things and you've been... You heard some background door noise right there. That was our four-year-old <laughs> barging in to find out what's happening with Selena. That's okay. But anyways, um, at this point, you've been under this, uh, I guess, understanding that the magic was expelled. It was yeah. purged out of everything. Right. But now you get this clue as to, uh, you know, there's this beast from somewhere else, it's being summoned. Where in, and like you said, Selena's trying to figure out where, and it comes back to the word marks mm-hmm. and this kind of epiphany that these could be it's the word gates could be attached to this. And the contrast between magic and these word marks and word mm-hmm. gates are kind of coming into focus is, is like, are they the same thing? Do they just run parallel to one another? Yeah. Or is like, in, in a previous chapter, she had mentioned something to Kale and he kind of is, he's not kind of, he's very dismissive where she had been reading a text where it talks about maybe even speculatively, but that the word could be the, the underpinning of the world yeah. or the universe. And he's just like, what are you talking about? You're yeah. reading some crackpot <laughs> stuff. But if the word or word marks are something more fundamental to this world than they would operate outside of magic. Yeah. I think there's a lot to still be unpacked about this world as we go along that Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yep. But she's like, I open, this is a big reveal just to reader. Like, wait a minute, all of a sudden there is a beast. It's being summoned. It's very clear what's doing these either murders or close to it or is associated with the murders. Yeah. Um, or sacrifices. So, yeah, like or sacrifices, yeah, because it's har- basically harvesting this person yeah. or victim and somebody's benefiting by receiving the strengths right. of the victims. So very deep and dark. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, what I also find interesting is that as she's trying to like kind of go through all of these different ideas, she immediately goes back to Nehemia being the person who is summoning the Ritterak. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what? Yeah, you she totally goes just from saying, this mental tennis match is exhausting because she's, <laughs> she's like convinced that Nehemia's got these bad motives. I got to go watch her at the ball, all this stuff. To extreme guilt. I can't believe I would even think that about yeah. my friend. We had been friends. And she can't even decide on these things. Yeah. Because then, yes, moments later, she's already, wait a minute, I'm on the case. Nehemia's motives could be X, and this is where she could be. Right. And blah, blah, blah. And it's like, golly, you just seem on edge. Yeah. And irrational. Right. And you're jumping to conclusions about things. Yeah. yeah. And she just like, basically she identifies that Nehemia could actually be the person, not necessarily because she doesn't like Selena or whatever, but that she's actually in Adderlin under, or with, with this idea of true rebellion, like trying to stir something up against the king and in the castle, et cetera. But then she's like, 
why then would she be targeting the criminals and the people that are involved in this competition and not other people of importance? Um, which is like, that's logical. You should probably think, uh, or like listen to yourself because that it doesn't make any sense why Nehemiah would not target other people. I don't know. So I just, I'm still like, what are you thinking? I don't buy. Agreed. And I, and mean, I think, I don't know, Selena is smarter than that. I think. I just think that this is not developed very well. Yeah, perhaps. Which I hate to say, because I do think SJM has like her strong suits and world development is really, really good usually. But this, I just don't buy it. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Yeah, in thinking about when I read this for the first time, because I can't pretend like I haven't, like, I was troubled but also intrigued by the idea Mm -hmm. that Nehemiah is conning everyone. Yeah. And it makes sense that she would want to turn the tables Mm -hmm. in what better place to do that then be right in the heart of it. Yeah. As this kind of political um, guest and all of the things. And, uh, but the way that Selena is processing this maybe is true to an 18 year old. Yeah. I guess you have a good, like fair point though. Like this is my third time reading it and I know Nehemiah's true character from the story later on. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'm letting that kind of play in. Like if you're reading this for the first time, you might not truly know that about Nehemia. Yeah. That I think that's probably true. in a lot of those, those like big reveals. Yeah. Just rewatched rings of power. Yeah. Season one. And I would consider myself more than the casual fan, but even Mm -hmm. like going back to when we had watched the first season, you're like, yeah, Mm, speculation, speculation. Yeah. And then you get some big reveals in the end of that season. But then you rewatch it and you're like, hmm. Yeah, you can can see how you speculated about things, but you see how much more obvious it is. Right. And that, so that's to avoid spoilers for those that have (laughs) yet to enjoy Rings of Power. Yeah. You should. But... Anyways, I think that's probably true here too. Yeah. Is is you reread and you're like, hmm, it wasn't... Maybe not on the nose, but it's it's clear. Yeah. Or much clearer. Sure. So I loved some of the, just to credit the writing, when she decides, she makes this decision to go down into, into the, the crypts because yeah. where else could you be hiding a beast like this? This right. murderous beast from another realm. You're in a glass castle that's transparent. Like what else? Where are you going <laughs> to keep this thing? And so she goes down and there is some like creepy feels going on. Talks about how like centuries old dust has been disturbed. And like, I think yeah. she just paints a good picture of like, just get to it. Just get to it. Just tell me what it is. She kind of builds the reader's anticipation pretty well until we get yet another big reveal in this chapter. So we got the Ritterack and then mm-hmm. here we go. Yeah. Alley- oop. Yeah. So you. they, she's in the tunnels. She's gone down. She has nothing but a candlestick and her makeshift knife Um, and 
she comes upon this room, I guess, and she doesn't see it first. She just hears this man chanting. So she obviously identifies this is not Nehemiah. Um, and she notices, um, well, wait, let me see where this is. There's a greenish light seeping out onto the stones, which, <clears throat> excuse me, that is brought up again. I don't know if you've noticed how many times the greenish light Yeah, there's light greenish light noticed. all over the place. There's yeah. greenish light in here. There's And there's some in later chapters. Yeah, and earlier chapters the, at the beginning like of the, the book. The throne room has a greenish fire Yes. In the the mouth like furnace yeah. where the king sits. And then when so, when Selena had first come into the city from Endovir, um, when she looked at the castle, it had this like greenish kind of glow about it. Wow. So interesting. Um, so it's been evil all along. Slytherin. <laughs> Slytherin. Slytherin house. Yes. Running Adderlin. Um, so this man is chanting some weird, uh, harsh, guttural, yeah. foreign language. language. Yeah. Um, she doesn't know. And she sees inside, um, that it is Kane. Mm-hmm. That's the end of the chapter. There you go. <laughs> Which Very I much g- not Nehemiah. No. Yeah. And like, again, when you have read this so many times, you're like, of course it's Cain. You've been noticing how big and strong he's been getting and how fast he is. The whole time you guys are training. Interaction she had with the guards that night where he like shows up and he's like literally tripping. His eyes and face look all weird and he sprints off. Yeah. so yeah, like there's been there's definitely been some like hints that it was Kane. Um but now we are for sure it is Kane. Mm-hmm. Uh any thoughts before we move on to 42? No, just the 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 bigger reveals in this chapter. She just went for it and dropped two big time yeah. um pieces of information. You have right. a fantastical beast that is responsible or at least partially responsible for these murders and that Cain is the one summoning it. Um, and then maybe even a third that maybe has to be unpacked more, but just that the potential use of word gates and words to summon it and then guide it. Mm-hmm. So that's an, that's definitely a negative association yeah. with word marks and word gates. But um yeah, I'm just excited just like to keep going and like, okay, what's next? She knows it's Kane now. Yeah. We're in this deep, dark crypt of yep. a or tunnel room. What happens? So yeah, chapter 41, done. Yep. And then on to 42. Let's do it. So my summary for 42 is Selena comes face to face with the evil in the castle. Mm-hmm. Chapter 42, Damaris. Mm-hmm. Spoiler. Just kidding. Okay. Um, so 42, Kane. So she sees it's Kane and she notes just what I just said, 
the person who'd gotten stronger and better as the competition went on. So she's really realizing like he received all of the strength from those competitors that were basically sacrificed to the Ritterac. Um, and then she notices that he is dragging his hand across the floor um, and he opens this portal, which is like a void mm-hmm. looking thing and something kind of click clacks onto the stone. So something is coming through the portal and it is the Ritterack. So she caught Cain in the middle of summoning this beast. Um, it says it was something out of an ancient God's nightmares Its hairless gray skin was stretched tightly across its misshapen head, displaying a gaping mouth filled with black fangs. Its vaguely human body sank onto its haunches and slid its long front arms across the stone floor. So I don't even know if I can like picture this thing, honestly. Do you have like a vision in your head of what it looks like? Yeah, I'm thinking... Like very tough, leathery hide, like a dinosaur. Okay, um, like okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe, um, Velociraptor ish. Okay, type of thing. But long arms. But yeah, and then it has knees that bend wrong, so it's kind of like back. Like I envision the legs almost being kind of backwards. But yeah. then I also kind of think like. The imagery, like in Harry Potter, I forget the creatures' names, but the those horses that draw the carriages. Oh yeah, yeah. Like how they're just kind of really jacked up looking horses. Yeah. But that they're just kind of that almost skeletal, but kind of fleshy. Okay. Like look. Yeah. Um, I think of kind of all that just kind of. Yeah. Wrapped up into a monster. Yeah. I guess that makes more sense. I was thinking of like. In Harry Potter, the werewolf that Lupin turns oh, into. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, yeah, yeah. That's a great description. Okay. That's a, I think that's a great projection if you cross the two things that I was sure. talking about. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, gray, n- hairless. Yeah. Kind of leathery hide. Yeah. I don't know. Scrappy looking. Creepy. Whoa. Yeah, I know. Um, Yeah. So Cain looks at this creature and the creature kneels before him, yeah. basically submitting to Cain. So we know like Cain actually is in charge of this thing. Um, and the amulet, as Selena is watching, the amulet that Elena had given her, the eye of Elena, um, starts pulsing. And I believe that's just like warning her of danger. And so she tries to slowly back up, but Cain and the Ritterac hear her um, and something pulls, like some kind of magic pulls or something. Is it magic? Magic's gone. Mm. I don't know. (laughs) There is this wind that pulls Selena into the room and traps her inside basically. And she's kind of... Cain said it wasn't meant to be you tonight, but this opportunity is too good to waste. Um, and she basically starts like begging Cain, just saying, like saying his name kind of over and over again. Um, and 
Cain ends up disarming her and then he leaves the room and shuts the door and leaves her alone with the Ritterak. Um, which I think is weird, actually, because surely he would want to claim all of the strength from Selena when the Ritterak kills her. Yeah, I don't and know. And surely he was present for the other, like, I don't, sacrifices. I don't, know, I don't know exactly how the transaction works here, but he's obviously summoned the Ritterak. And in all those other cases, or at least in the one that we have the most information about, is he disabled the victim and used mm-hmm. the word marks to lead the Ritterak there. Right. And so it's like the, the Ritterak fed or or did its killing right right harvested and then the master received all the strength magically so i think in this to me it's just he didn't have to use word marks to guide the ritter act to her because she or is the keep victim. her in place because she's right there she's yeah and he doesn't feel like he has to disable i guess her. that's that's what i kind of i guess put together yeah um in that sense like he doesn't have to do anything but let the Ritterak kill it yeah. or kill the victim. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Um, but basically she starts panicking and then starts thinking to herself, like, I don't want to die this way. Kale would never know why I disappeared. He would forever curse me. Nehemia, I would never get a chance to like make it right with her. And then Elena, and then she pauses when she thinks about Elena and identifies she wanted me to see the tomb. Why did she want me to see the tomb? And then she also remembered her saying, "Um, your answers lay on the right and the passageway that leads to the tomb is to the right. And so she puts together, I need to get to the tomb. And so she comes up with this plan to get away from the Ritterak, basically, like she's going to lure it to try to like print, like pounce on her, and she gets out of the way pretty quickly. Which I was like, oh wow, you can jump over this thing. Yeah, <laughs> which the was visuals, silly, yeah, but you're trying to like picture it in your eyes, but she basically like catapults. Yeah, like she tries to charge at thing. it and so it charges at her and she dodges at the right time. Yeah. So it crashes through the door. Yeah. That was locked and like that's her escape now. So she's right. able to get out and then make her way to like you said to the tomb mm-hmm. and find whatever it is that Elena wanted her to see in the tomb. She's like putting all that together very quickly. But. Right. And she ultimately gets to the tomb after running there. Um, with the Ritterak very close on her heels. And as Jordan's title for this chapter revealed, it was Damaris, which is this ancient sword that was in the tomb because that was Gavin's sword. And so she ultimately uses that sword to end the Ritterak. End the Ritterak. There you go. She's a witcher. (laughs) Yes. Um, so yeah, um, in the midst of her slaying this beast, 
um, the Ritterac did puncture her skin, so she, it got a bite on her arm or her hand as mm-hmm. she was, like, slicing through it with the sword. Mm-hmm. Um, and as she kind of gets the Ritterac off of her, obviously she unhinges the jaw and gets the teeth out of her arm and then it starts to burn. So that just makes us as the readers identify, oh, this beast has poisonous bites and there's been some kind of poison left in Selena, which is not great. And then one thing that I noted, with it, which is interesting, um, she used the shirt to wipe Gavin's blade clean and set it back where it belonged. Yeah, there was like some reverence there. Yeah. Because I selfishly wanted her to take Damaris. Yeah, Be like, absolutely. this is mine now. <laughs> I'm going to kill Cain with this in the duel tomorrow. I know. Like, let's go. I know. Or whenever the duel is. But yeah. Yeah, she's like very reverent about it. Mm-hmm. Like despite the pain she's feeling and all that, she's like, I got to wipe this clean and leave it back. Yeah. Where it goes. Yeah. So I did. I noted that was very respectful. Um, and then she ultimately made it back to her chambers. Her hand is still bleeding and she passes yeah, out. She's, she's like basically. delirious when yeah. making her way even back. She gets back and then collapses and faints, passes out. And who to come to the rescue but Nehemia. Nehemia. Big try to throw the reader off. <laughs> Nehemia comes to the rescue and gives this like sayings in a word or in a tongue uh, that the assassin didn't understand. So she basically like lays hands on her and tries to help her but uses this incantation in a language that she doesn't know. So now we're hearing languages we don't know a lot. In the last couple of pages, um, but then she's uh, Selena found her arms covered in glowing turquoise marks, word marks, and so now, and she passes out, and the chapter ends. Forty-two done, but mm-hmm. then to me, that brings, um, like a a continuum or a spectrum of word mark usage because Cain was using word marks to open up a void and yep. bring through a beast. But then at the end of this chapter, Nehemia is also giving an enchantment or incantation, and it leads to these word marks on Selena yeah. to try to rescue her. Like right. She's clearly trying to help her out. Yeah. So that does absolve Selena's idea and her association that word marks are only bad. Um, they can be used for lots of different things, apparently. Which is great for her because it ultimately saves her life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, some quick action right there. Yep. Two chapters. Big reveal, the Ritterac. Big reveal, Kane. Yep. Escape from the Ritterac, death of the Ritterac. Word marks can be bad and good. Like, it's yeah. that's too action packed. Yeah. And it does leave chapters. Selena like. At the end of this chapter, we do not know whether or not she's going to be okay. Um, we just hope that she is because she's not alone. So Selena's not going down to a hand bite. No <laughs> ways. <laughs> I guess no not. No ways, Jose. No way, Jose. Okay. All right. Chapter 43. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. 
All right, summary, Nehemia and Selena have a heart-to-heart, and the king returns to the castle. Oh, boys. Alentia. Alentia. There you go. All righty. So, 43, um, we have a segue. Obviously, the last chapter ended with Selena passing out, and this one starts with her opening her eyes. Um, Still dark outside, but she notices... Um, that someone else is in her rooms and she knows that because she can smell them, <laughs> uh, which is funny. Uh, she's a witcher. I know. Oh, no. As JM <laughs> does this thing where she just like, she focuses on people's eye color and she focuses on people's scent and we haven't seen scent as mm. much no. At this point. We haven't. But it does come up frequently in um, following books and in other series as well. Okay. So we love that about us, JM. So Nehemia is still in the rooms and she smells like lotus blossoms and nutmeg. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyways, and she, as in Selena... Um, looks at her hand and finds that it has completely healed over. She's in her nightgown and she makes sure that she can still move her hand, that nothing had been permanently damaged and it wasn't. She thinks maybe this was magic and then she looks up to see Nehemia um, staring at her and Selena asks what happened. Yeah, I thought this was interesting because it says Selena shifted as she beheld the mistrust in the young woman's eyes. So now we've encountered for like chapters about Selena's mistrust of Nehemia and what could be her motives and all of this stuff with these murderers and disrupting things in the capital. And now that Nehemia has rescued her, and used some kind of power or healing to to heal Selena. It's actually Nehemia who has mistrust in her eyes for Selena. She's like, yeah, what? And and so if you if as a reader, if you just put yourself in Nehemia's shoes, you can see how she would feel the same. Yeah, absolutely. About like, you know, this is supposed to be Lady Lillian. She called her Lillian. They haven't had this whole thing. Right. To dash all this out. But she's not, she's, she is not who she appears to be. Yeah. She hasn't been forthcoming about things. And now she's like encountering like the, like some dangerous stuff. She's right. like, you could have died. Yeah. So anyway, she asks her what happened and they kind of start to unpack and have yeah. this, have this really key heart to heart. Yeah. And ultimately, um, Selena reveals, well, Selena identifies like, I know Nehemia was not involved with Cain. Whatever she's doing here, it's not what I was thinking. So she decides to reveal her true identity and the real purpose of why she's in the castle mm-hmm. at this point with the King's competition. Right. Um, Nehemia obviously knows who she is because of her reputation. She identifies that's why you know 
my language because you learned it from the slaves mm-hmm. that are in Andover. Right, and I think that's really cool from Nehemiah's p- point of view because she doesn't jump to, oh, you're here for this competition and blah, blah, blah. She's like, sees a much bigger picture about you're Selena Sardothian. You went to Endovier. You were fighting back against all of this, right? And you know, yeah, you know the language of my people because you were sent yeah. to be in basically in an internment camp, a prison work, a death camp with my people. Yeah. I, so I just appreciated that because she didn't jump into just the competition and the king and all that stuff. She yeah. wants, she like saw a bigger picture about her, yeah. about Selena that is. Yeah. And she does ultimately ask her about the competition. Like, why, why are you here? And Selena kind of starts to get defensive a little bit. Like I was given a choice either to earn my freedom this way or to die in Endovir. And I chose this path. And, um, yeah, and she asks her, like, the king knows you're here, kind of incredulously. Yeah. Like, you take his orders. Yeah. And she does. She has to go on the defensive here about, why well, it was death. Right. Or this. And at the same time, again, like, putting yourself into Nehemiah's shoes, you're thinking about her motivations, and she has this heartbreak that she's felt for her people and the massacre that happened with the rebels a few chapters back that, yeah. that lost men, women, and children. And so now she's like putting together like, wait a minute, are you, are you here because you're like one of them? Like what's going on? Mm-hmm. She's trying to put that together. Right. Um, because I think it's quite clear to the reader that Nehemiah is in some way, shape or form trying to undermine Yeah. what is happening in Adderland. Right. Because she's, she wants to advocate for her own people. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, yeah. And so Selena does, like I said, get defensive, rightly so. She makes a really valid point. Like she doesn't have a choice really. Um, and she is already wondering like what it's going to be like to kill for the King of Outerland. Um, identifying that he's the person who's taken away everything from her. And then she starts to go through like these mental images and pictures of things that are not revealed to us, but that Selena obviously is having a hard time keeping in her little closed box in, in her mind. And um, while that's going on, Nehemia ends up coming to her. She walks across the room. And I'm just going to read what Nehemia says because I think it's important. Yeah. Um, it is. It says, Nehemia squeezed her hand. You're my dearest friend, Selena. It hurt me more than I realized it would to have things become so cold between us. To see you look at me with such distrust in your eyes. And I don't want to ever see you look at me like that again. So I wish to give you what I have given to few before. Names are not important. It's what lies inside of you that matters. I know what you went through in Endovier. I know what my people endured there day after day, but you did not let the minds harden you. You did not let it shame your soul into cruelty. The princess traced a mark on her hand, the, her fingers pressing into Selena's skin. You bear many names, and so I shall name you as well. 
Her hand rose to Selena's forehead and she drew an invisible mark. I name you Alentia. She kissed the assassin's brow. I give you this name to use with honor, to use when other names grow too heavy. I name you Alentia, spirit that could not be broken. And it says Selena was held in place. She could feel the name fall upon her like a shimmering veil. This was unconditional love. Which is really sweet because we know like Selena, well, especially if you've read this before, (laughs) we know that Selena hasn't had like very good experience with friends in her past and to encounter one as true as Nehemia and to see like this gift that Nehemia is giving her with this name that really does mean a lot to Selena, um, obviously because of what she endured with Endovir, but it ends up being also true for herself in like the past before that. Uh Um, and also it's significant later on. So it's just like, that means so much to Selena that it's like kind of overwhelming to her. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, I found this part of the passage really powerful. It's just a small, it's short, but it's like a really intimate moment that lets you understand the two people that you're dealing with, and it makes me want more uh, experience with Selena, which she's protagonist, so that should happen. Yeah, but it also makes me want more time with Nehemia as well. Yeah, um, it doesn't have to be a battle or or like a duel or whatever, like these small intimate moments can, Mm -hmm. can mean a lot. I did feel like, and I I don't know, maybe you can counter in a good way and convince me otherwise, but I felt like it was poor word choice to write the, the, the dialogue as names are not important. It's what's inside you that matters. It's like, yes, we all know that to be true. But then she just goes on for the next two paragraphs and all she does is talk about names and how significant they are. She gives her a new name. You bear many names. I'm giving you this one to bear when other names are too heavy. This is your new name, Elentia, the spirit that cannot be broken, which is all important and all true. But why did you start with something that actually kind of countervails what you just said? Like I would have bought this more about if she had started that with names are important because they they can describe what is inside of you like may or or maybe have just sashayed a little bit differently with whether you were called Lillian or Selena didn't really matter it's what is inside that really counts and then gone into that spiel because i felt like she used like two broad truths that were not synergized mm-hmm. again that's me nitpicking but i do love the moment that they have with using this new name and we know that like in very in the very first chapters i think maybe in the very first lines mm-hmm. selena is like i will not be afraid mm-hmm. and she like tells herself that like i will not be afraid and that goes very uh, in or in, intertwines or, or agrees with the spirit that will not be broken Right. Because that's what a spirit that would not be broken would tell its tell itself. 
yeah. I will not fear. I will not be afraid. So it's a cool moment and really think it's special. I just was, ugh, for me, if I was just rereading that as an author, I'd have been like, mm, I don't know if I, mm-hmm. if my lines agree. Yeah. I do, ha- you have, do you have another thing? I do have thoughts. Because names are important. I, I do have thoughts. Um, I can't necessarily share anything okay. about my thoughts. I don't know. Names are important. Yeah. And so I don't really know why she would say names are not important. I just think... Like I just super disagree with that. Like every yeah. word has a meaning, I have. I name. do have a rebuttal for you that does make sense, but I can't talk to you about it right now. Okay. So, um, names are universally important. Yes, I don't disagree with you. And that's why she just there spent is a the reason next two chapters I, disagreeing with herself. I know there is a reason I do believe that SJM included that. And I could argue for it, and you could agree or disagree even after you know what I'm talking about. But, um, yeah. On the face value, does it not seem like it just doesn't hit? No, I know. She, yes. Because she no, literally says names you. are not I important agree. and then just yes. uses like five sentences talking about why they're, they are important. Yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. Okay. So if you want to reveal that in two books, that's fine. But don't kind of make yourself sound short-sighted. That's fine. Like I just don't we think that's very clever. Back. Don't think it's clever. We're circling back later. All right. Um, anyway, so then this part of the chapter ends with Selena talking and telling Nehemia her, her past, basically all the things that she was wanting to share with her, but she was unable to, um, which I think is really, really, really good Mm -hmm. for Selena to be able to talk to somebody semi on the outside who's not like directly involved with the competition, who knows the truth and who still like loves her and cares about her despite those things. So, yeah, it's not a full reveal though. She doesn't get into every single part of the night about everything about Kane and the Ritter rack. Like it's it's not, it's not a full deal. I mean, I made the, the comment that she should tell Nehemia and unravel the rest of this Kane mystery. Like she, she gets into a good amount, but she doesn't reveal everything. And maybe it's just because of a time necessity piece. Well, how do you know that she didn't reveal everything? It doesn't say that. There were certain things that she'd never tell anyone and she hadn't mentioned Kane or the creature either. Oh, that's later Nehemiah on in the chapter. hadn't asked her again. Oh, okay. Da, 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 da. It's like in the next little segment. Oh, that's right. Okay, my bad. Sorry. That's I just okay. like, there's, she's recapping what she was talking about with Nehemiah and she doesn't do a full, right. full send on the, the deal. But maybe that's also because as a writer, it would be too easy for two characters to flesh out their whole situation. Yeah. There's always got to be something that interrupts them. Sure. Here's looking at you, Kale and Selena. But anyways. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. So, yeah. So you're talking about the next morning, Selena and Kale now are in route somewhere. And probably two are from training. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and Selena is thinking back on her night with Nehemia. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kale identifies, he's like, you're quiet today because Selena is now thinking about all of the yeah, things. Yeah, she's so that are caught happening. up in her head space. And Kale thinks that it's because of Dorian. <laughs> so he's like, did you and Dorian have a fight? Which is silly and funny. Um, and Selena, I just kind of picture her kind of like being taken aback. Like I was not even thinking about Dorian in the slightest. And she's like, actually haven't even seen him since yesterday. And then he's, they just have this dialogue kind of going back and forth. I thought like, did you enjoy dancing with him? And she doesn't even answer that question. She's like, you left early. I don't know. Yeah. It's just interesting. She just kind of threw that away. She thought and processed and she's like, yeah, you left early. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I would have thought you would want to guard me the whole night. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. And then he know, he's like, I don't need to watch you anymore. You're not going anywhere. I don't know, man. This still chaps me. Uh, I wrote just in the margin, <laughs> take the night off. Like, that's... You think I it, was told to take the night off. You don't remember that? Do you think you that little it... little jerk. Yeah. Like, y'all we two remember. were gallivanting around and just kicked my butt out. But do you think that he actually took that to heart? Like process that, like I really don't need to watch Selena anymore. Or do you think it's for a different but reason? But not because of what Dorian said. Okay. Not because Dorian said, take the night off, it'll be good for you. Yeah. That did not push him over the edge to make him think, I actually don't need to watch her anymore. Yeah. She has no reason to to break trust and faith, I think, in his mind anymore. Um. Like she, she feels like she can, or he, I'm sorry, Kale feels like he can trust her in different situations and scenarios and kind of this freedom to move about. But I also feel like it's a little bit, it, he's being honest about, like, I don't need to watch you anymore, but I also think it's a bit defeated. Like, I don't need to watch you anymore. Yeah. And sure. he, I think, I'm, I'm just telling you, I think from Kale's perspective, he feels like there's a bit of, he, like, he lost. Yeah. Like, he was just pushed out. You're not needed. Not needed in this relationship. You're not needed in your job to watch her. It's fine. Mm-hmm. So I think he's. It's a. It's part truth and part like. Resignation. Okay. To me. Okay. I feel like I. I'm just channeling my Westfall. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just don't know. I just identify with him so much. I know you do. Yeah. I know. Um, I know. Okay. So they're kind of going back and forth. He's like, you're not going anywhere. Um, and Selena's like, well, I could go back to Endovir. And she, he's like, you won't. How do you know? I just know. And, um... I don't know. I just, they're kind of, he like puts his trust in her, I think, more than he has. He's like stepping away from, I think, the assassin 
role in her? Like, mm-hmm. do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I mean, the question is like, they're kind of answering back and forth and he, and he does say like, I know you're not going anywhere. And she pushes back about like, well, I could go back to Endovier. Yeah. Like, really? She could, if she were to lose Yeah, or to spoil her chances by doing something rash. But he says, you won't. Yeah. And she replies, how do you know that? And he says, I just know. Well, how else does you know, does he know? He like has faith that she's going to win the competition. Yeah. He doesn't say that, but he is like, you're going to win. Mm-hmm. You're going to win this thing. Yeah. And no, you're not going to bail out of here and go back to Endovier. You're going to win. But I don't think whatever headspace he's in is not like in this space of like, yeah, Selena, you're going to win. He's just like, you're going to win. Yeah. Just like confidence, but maybe not necessarily happy about it. No, I don't think he's thrilled about that. That she would win. To be stuck or be in the king's Or have to like continue being an assassin. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Thoughts, thoughts, thoughts. Okay. Um, And she identifies that she really wants to tell him what she knows about Cain and whatever. But she is like, I can't tell him. Because then he would have to know, like, where is the Ritterac and that it's in the secret passage. And then he's going to know that I have a secret passage out of the castle. And that's not Mm -hmm. good. And it says, like, she had wanted to tell him, like, from the moment that she saw him. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot of trust that she has for Kale. Yeah. Whether it's friendship, trust, whatever it is. She has a lot of trust in him. Um, but yeah, I think, and probably given the, given the scenario and the circumstances, she is probably smart to not like spill the whole truth because she probably, I think people would try to take control of the situation. Like Kale would, would want to like step in and try to fix everything. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. But anyways, well then... Um, they're almost to their practice room and (laughs) Kale's like, he can't drop it. So Lena tried to steer away from Dorian as a topic and he's like, he just can't. Do you know what you're getting into with Dorian? And Selena's like, are you going to give me romantic advice right now? (laughs) And, um... She's like, I didn't realize you cared enough about me to bother or even notice. And he just says, just use your brain. So he didn't actually like, I don't feel like there was any progress in that conversation. Like Selena didn't admit to anything happening even with Dorian. And Kale didn't really like, want to acknowledge anything was happening, but just be smart about it. Be smart with what you're doing. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting. He does say it's for their both, for both of their sakes. Yeah. Um, I think it's, he's alluded to like Dorian will get his heart broken. Mm -hmm. And he, if he doesn't think she's an assassin, he may think like this whole King's, assassin, Mm -hmm. champion, isn't something that's sustainable. Yeah. For if Dorian and 
her were to be in a relationship. Yeah. So you may actually like be like logically processing through that. Yep. He may also have that tinge of jealousy too, because I think he has like legitimate feelings for her. Um, that's where I'm at on it. Yeah. But it's but also I think to your point where you were saying he doesn't want to come out and acknowledge it because yeah. it's like if I speak it into existence, it's real. Right. At the same time. And and he's just like, be smart. He doesn't, it says he doesn't take the bait because she, that's a cheap shot with him being like, or, or Selena's like, I don't think you cared about me enough to even bother. It's like, you're full of, <laughs> like, come on, dude. You know that he cares about like, why you. Why would you say that? Yeah. It's that line. Why would you say that? <laughs> but he doesn't take the bait and he's just like, just be smart. Yeah. Like, and I think he kind of gets the pulse on them like, I don't know. Sure. Something bad could happen. Yeah. And um, he does. He cares about both of them. Um, And I do think it's honorable that he's not like telling her what to do in regards to Dorian. Like saying you really should not let him pursue you or be in that relationship at all. He, you know, I think that's, I mean, that's honorable because we know that he cares about her, but instead he's just like, look, just be smart. So eh, there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have a little time jump, a t- little bit of time jump. So this is after practice, they're leaving the room and they are just talking about books and stories and as they're walking, they're kind of like teasing one another and she like kind of pushes at his shoulder and he laughs and then she started laughing and then as they turn a corner, the king of Adderlin is there. He's back. He's, back. He's been gone for a long time. Yes, yes. It's like the chapters in the single digits or something. <laughs> yes. Um, so I I guess my biggest takeaway from that part is obviously he's back, but that he probably witnessed them being very familiar with one another mm-hmm. and um friendly as well. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how he's gonna take that with the captain of the guard being on like friendly terms with this assassin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's probably not too thrilled about that. Which I don't think is an inappropriate or unexpected response from him. No. He returns and he probably would expect like a rigidness to things. Yeah. You know, but it is the whole like, wow, they've let their guard down. Yep type of idea um we we see beside on both sides of things right but anyways i think that's probably an appropriate response from him if that's the response we get Mm -hmm. they did make a little bit of banter about hey you selena you were reading some poetry the other day Mm -hmm. i thought you hated it and he knows that it's poetry so i think he's maybe well read sure and she's like well, not all poetry is bad. Epic poetry is not so pretentious. And uh, and uh, she says, a poem about massive battles and bound- boundless love isn't pretentious. She like makes this kind of like rhetorical, like 
Yeah. Um, or it's, I guess it's actually a, a retort yeah. of him, but that that's not pretentious. And I just wrote like question mark. Is that foreshadowing? Mm-hmm. Is this a large poem about massive battles and boundless love mm-hmm. that Sarah J. Mass is writing? Anyways. It's cute. We'll see, won't we? Yep. So chapter 43. All right. And so then let's get into chapter 44. Let's do it. All right. Um, so my summary is Selena and Kale have a brief encounter with the king and we learn of the odd circumstance of his return. That's right. I've just entitled this chapter Unannounced. Mm. There you go. You have like one word titles for this episode. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> that's just how I was feeling when I read these chapters. But Yeah, just simple, sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, alrighty. Well, this is just picks back up from where we left off with 43. So they see the king of Adderlin as they turn the corner. And this is now Selena kind of processing him or like her seeing him and as we've seen like obviously the king hasn't been in the book that much but all of selena's encounters with him have been like she's like super dreading whatever kind of encounter it is um she feels very un-selena like she loses all confidence and all of her like Mm-hmm. bravado I guess and yeah. very unsettling yeah um and so she totally like loses herself basically and um yeah I think all you need to like know I mean we're gonna get into it more of course mm-hmm. but it's like her heart gave a screech and dove behind her spine it's like the opening line yeah. of the chapter she like is not herself no when she encounters the king yeah and he like doesn't really acknowledge them. Kale and Selena end up bowing, obviously, to the king. Um, he doesn't acknowledge them at all. He just like, kind of looks at them, specifically Selena. They It says their eyes had met, and he walks past, and she's, like, worried that he can, like, see beyond her herself, like, into her mind, like, can he, did he know that Cain had the the ability to open portals to other worlds? Did he know that word mark still had power? Did he know about the Ritterak? And then she's like kind of worried about if he actually did know those things, like what would he do in the world? Like, and then there's a quote, could one man destroy a world? So, interesting. Um, And it says she could hear the den of war. The king's head shifted to look at the hallway ahead. So all of that, like, those thoughts were going on in her head as she was looking at the king. And she notices something. It says something dangerous lurked about him. It was an air of death that she felt standing before that black void summoned by Cain. It was the stench of another world, a dead world. And then she thinks, what was Elena's goal in demanding that she get close to him? So, 
Yeah, I think that's interesting because like we know Selena is super observant as a person and for her to like I don't think that she would just throw that out that she's like notices the same kind of like deathly feeling um as she felt standing in front of the Ritterack. So I'm like, well, those have got to be connected in some way, mm-hmm. right? I totally agree. Um, yeah, yeah. I totally agree with that take. The, yeah. I, I appreciate the way she's written this section because we have seen the king before where there's there's probably some phenotype that's like described, but here she's like giving characterization of the king mm-hmm. without describing his appearance, Yeah, without him having to say a word or even really do an action. Like it says that he turns and walks, but he is not even doing anything. It. So what I like about it is it like gives you a sense of what he feels like to create an image. Like, cause your mind jumps and you're like, Oh, this guy would be just kind of create this sense of foreboding. And he would, Probably be whether he's tall or not or whatever, he he is big. You get right. this sense like this is a big person and a big character. But she doesn't even describe any of that. She just talks about like this sense of like something evil or dangerous mm-hmm. lurked about him and there's this darkness. I totally agree with your case about or your take on the association mm-hmm. there um, with just evil and her questioning like the word marks yeah what would he do if he actually knew these exist does he know these exist that sort of take yeah um my as far as speculation circle here for a second because i don't know uh, um beyond the the scope of the book it says uh it it was she describes it as the stench of another world a dead world mm-hmm. and we just got this picture of the whatever it's called, the the portal or word gate, whatever was open to summon mm-hmm. the Ritterack and the, the kind of s- evil that she sensed there or even stench or smell. Like if the king is associated with this, if this is a dead world that they're contending with, like I don't know, I get a very like a big like more of a universal picture like if there are different realms and there's a power in the dead realm or another realm like bringing it into I don't know what the right word is but bringing it into the realm that they're currently in Mm -hmm. um, it makes me think a little bit about like spoiler free show sort of deal but like the blood origins Mm mm-hmm deal yeah in, in that story i have my my hard takes on how i felt about that show but yeah how they use the monoliths mm-hmm. to like go to another realm that feels like yeah really like gone and dead mm-hmm. but i don't know i just this could go nowhere maybe just a path that does nothing mm-hmm. but i don't know it's like if the king is truly an evil character and truly an evil villain and if he's tampering in powers mm-hmm. beyond this realm and it's like 
associated with death or, or darkness or evil. It's like, yeah, that would have a, a residue Mm -hmm. that comes with it into the world that they're currently set in. Sure. Anyways, I just didn't think that was a throwaway line. No. Um, yeah. And then I guess this section just ends with them walking away as well. Once the King passes them and it notes that Selena moved closer to him for the remainder of their walk. Which just indicates like Selena feels safe with Kale, which is nice. <laughs> um, the next section opens up in Kale's point of view, and he is basically just like racking his brain about the circumstance of the king's return. Um, it we it is revealed that the king arrived back to the castle alone. Everybody in his traveling party apparently died, but it wasn't clear like what actually happened. Um, the king was really vague in his response when Kale was talking to him about it. Um, and he believes that something did happen, but again, that the king is just not telling him the whole truth. Um, and... Then he like thinks back on how Selena responded to seeing the king um, and how it was very obvious on her features that she was afraid of him, um, which isn't great, I guess, for, from, well, I don't know. If, it, if Do you think it's a, like a good thing that the king knows that she's afraid of him? I feel like that could work in her favor. I don't know. Are you talking about from Selena's perspective that it would be a good thing that he is perceiving that she's afraid of him? Yeah. Perhaps. I mean, if she's thinking, like, how else would the king want me to be perceived? Yeah. If the king thinks that I'm afraid of him, that's probably good. Yeah. Because he wants me and everybody else to fear him. Yeah. And she is actually afraid of him. Right. But, like... Honestly, that would only benefit her because if the king doesn't see her as a threat, then there's less of a chance that he's going to like make a move against her. True. I don't know at this point in time that's what's like in her head. No, she's I know. she's actually afraid. No, I don't think so. I'm um, just speculating. That's, that's a good good little point. I do find it troubling this this like lonely arrival Mm-hmm. Of the king, um, just did he want his party to die? Were they? Did they encounter some actual rebel? Yeah, insurgents. You know, wherever it was that they were, it, it, the report mentions the White Fang Mountains, where Cain is from. Yep. So I don't know what's going on there. There is the potential that he's just straight up lying about them actually having died. Like he could have left his contingency of guards somewhere with another mission. Yes, that's true. Like, hey, y'all are going to go do this, and I'm just going to tell everybody that y'all were... Yeah. Y'all died. And I guess you could think, like, like, if you remember when the king left, 
Kale was really disappointed because he didn't take any of the people that he recommended mm-hmm. as far as guards with him. Yeah. Um, so I think to your point that those people might not have actually be dead. I don't think I've ever thought that before. But now that you say that, I'm like, well, yeah, that's my, yeah. like that might be he true. Has some other motive. And he's like, now y'all are kind of black ops yeah. off the map. Yeah. Y'all have this task. And because he brought them with him, he probably trusts them in some respect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unless something actually happened or they were doing something or experimenting on something in the White Fang Mountains or whatever. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. But those were questions that I had. But it does seem pretty crazy that a king would return with no one else. Yeah. Like no guard. And totally unharmed. No second in command, no anything, Mm -hmm. nobody. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Yeah. Um, Well, then his train of thought kind of continues on regarding Selena. He is thinking about how much she's improved as far as physically She's so fast that he has difficulty keeping up with her. She can do all of these things with ease, right? Scale a wall, um, fight. Um, And then he thinks about like she's only 18 and he has this troubling thought where like, is he going to be able to live with himself knowing that he retrained the greatest assassin Adderlin has ever seen. And I'm like, okay, well, I thought that maybe Kale had stopped thinking of her that way, but I guess not. <laughs> like he's maybe always going to see her as an assassin. Yeah, but assassin in terms of like characterization. I guess you're true. Versus yeah, like true. profession. Yeah. I think different because he was definitely using that as a demeaning yeah. Box to put her in. I don't. I don't know if he's seeing her like that. But I don't in know. this sense, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's more like her as a weapon. Yeah. Rather than her as like this evil person assassin. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, anyways, then he thinks about well, now the king like saw us together laughing. Like, what did he think about that? And then he, I don't know, he just continues on in his thoughts, basically. Mm-hmm. I think I there is, there's one or two more important things that, that I wanted to point out Okay. Um, in this kind of mental space that we're in with Kale. Um, the first is that he, he does go back to thinking about the king and it says, but uh, I'm just jumping into it here. But the sudden disappearance of the king, then returning without a single soul. There was something brewing, a cauldron that the king had journeyed to stir. And that's what kind of got me thinking about like, did he, what did he do in the White Fang Mountains? Did he leave his army or, or set of guards there with a different task? Mm-hmm. What was stirring like? He if if Kale is right, and the writer I think gives you the sense that Kale is correct in that mm-hmm. perception that the king did go off to stir something up. Yeah, and he could be wrong, but you just get this sense that it's like a believable 
thing from the writer. It's like there was something brewing, a cauldron that the king had journeyed to stir. Like the phrasing of that just is believable. It's like also it's intentional. V- it seems very intentional the way the words were chosen. Yeah. Like that's a line that you underline and that you highlight. And yeah, so, I did. yeah, it's just the way it's not a throwaway line to me. No. And so for those of you who are listening and have read other books by SJM outside of this series, you will know that that is actually significant. Yay. Another connection. Okay. But I'm not going to say anymore. Well, I don't know. I just think that there's a couple of not throwaway lines in this and and it's the the stench of another world, a dead world Mm -hmm. and something brewing that the king had journeyed to stir. Um, We don't know what that is. I do think maybe he left some people somewhere or they were, they, they went to go do something and maybe they actually did die. Um, I, I don't know, but, uh, maybe the stuff about the white thing mountains is a lie. Like they said they were going to the white thing mountains, but they actually went somewhere else. Um, and he's just trying to give enough little details to keep kale like off the scent, off the track mm-hmm. type of thing. But Yeah. And maybe that's another reason why the king hadn't want to like engage with Kale. Yeah. Like when he sees him with Selena and stuff like he's just like, I'm just going to go about my business because I don't want to get into this with anybody. Yeah. Um, anything else? I guess he resolves to not press into the king's business at this point because his focus is on solving the murders and making sure that Selena wins mm-hmm. and not even for Dorian. It's f- because he doesn't think that Selena would survive another year in Indovir. Yeah. Which no one actually survives a year. Yeah. So he's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, but I, I kind of like the fact that he's like, well, I'm going to control or influence what I can. Like I, I, yeah. I don't think I can jump into the King's business and really get anywhere. So let's see if we can figure out these murders and let's see if we can get Selena over the finish line. Like that's what's in front of me right now. So yeah. Chapter 44. Yeah. That's it. Done and dusted. Pretty simple. Yeah. All right. Chapter 45. My summary is as the final test approaches, Selena reveals a truth to Knox and manipulates Dorian into protecting her against an evil he doesn't even know about. There you have it. I titled this chapter A Word of Caution. There you go. So, yeah. Lovely. All right. So, 45 opens up, and we are the day before the test, the last test, not to be confused with the last final duels. Those are two different things. Um, So, this is the test that determines who the final four competitors are. So we're the day before that. And they're in training and Selena and Knox are, um, I guess, practicing with swords or something. Yeah. And she sees Kane across the, um, I guess, the training hall. And he didn't even like acknowledge or identify that. 
he was surprised that she was there. He just went about his business as usual, which I'm sure that he found out at some point that she had overcome the Ritterac, um that night, whether it's because he's found the, the beast or he identified well. I'm not any stronger or faster or whatever. So she must have, yeah. I don't know how he would have identified that, but because yeah, he didn't I kinda, stay. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that is true. I, I would imagine he has somehow found out since the, the events of the, of that night. But also, I don't know. I don't know if, if he gets into like some kind of possession mode when he's doing this whole word marks thing. Maybe. And, and now he's like in his normal, quote unquote normal, like state. Yeah. And maybe not that it's like he doesn't have recollection or something, but it's just like he is not in the same state of mind. Mm. I don't know. I, I just, yeah. I, just, I think that I don't just think because that of that, that weird encounter that, the guards and Selena had that one night where it's like, he's not himself. Mm -hmm. He's like kind of freaking out, tripping and, and just runs away from them. And then other times he's like kind of normal, smug himself. Like, I don't know. Yeah. But I don't know. But Selena is to me in this little piece, like She's got all these kind of questions running in her mind about his abilities. The the black ring comes back up yeah. as a piece of that is physical description. Um, and she's she's asking how how did he summon this creature? Was it truly just to win the competition? Like she's getting all these questions that are just kind of circulating around. Yeah. And those and, are big questions. Yeah, they're, they're like deep. They're, yeah, right? they're big questions. And um, all this is happening within the, the context of training or whatever. And Knox is trying to like get her attention, like have a conversation. We haven't seen or heard from Knox in a while. Yeah. And she's, I don't know how long it's actually taking to get her attention. Yeah. But he's like multiple times trying to get her attention. Yeah, well, he, he even says, changes like, his are question. You okay? Yeah, you seem off. What's going on? And then he's and then like, he'll, like, jump to Selena's thoughts for a while, and yeah. then he'll be like, "Okay, or do you have any other thing on your mind?" Like he's just like, yeah, he wants pries to talk in to her. about Dorian a little bit, and she's like not really biting that. And then he notices the scar on her hand that the Ritterac gave her, and is like, "Those are new. What happened?" And she's like, again, mind your own business. Like she doesn't really want to open up to Knox um, at all. And then he is pretty smart. I think he's putting together some things. So he's like, you told me to stay in my room the other night. Those scars look like bite marks. They say that Varen and Xavier were killed by an animal. And he's like, you know something. Like, he knows that she has some sort of, I guess, in on what's going on. Um, and she's like, well, yep. So she, she doesn't tell him everything, but 
she ends up kind of cluing him in on a couple of things that are really important. Um, she identifies like there's only five of them left at this point. Um, and she wants him to be careful and he's like, tell me what you know. And then it ends up coming out. Well, is that at this point? Not yet. It's, it's close. No. Where is it? She says like, I don't have another choice to be here. Yeah, she's she's trying to put these pieces and crumbs for him to like yeah. pick up and and kind of think think thing through process and put together because she's like, yeah, it wasn't an accident. Yeah, all this stuff that's been happening, it's been happening within a day or so of the test. There's only five of us. Yeah, four make it to the duels, and she's like, basically, like it's not gonna be you. Yeah, you're not gonna win. Like you're not safe. And here. I, I would leave if I could, but I can't. Yeah. And she's basically saying, like, because I will beat you in the duels, or Kane will beat you in the duels, or you won't make it to the duels. Like, it yeah. doesn't matter. You're not gonna win. Right. And, but then, and even that is trying to tell him, like, you're not gonna beat me. Yeah. Like, and, you're, I'm not just some throwaway now. You know this. Yeah. And Knox is like, well, who are you? And he starts putting together, like, her story of like she is Lillian who is this jewel thief from Bellhaven but was in uh the town of Endovier like outside of the the mines Mm -hmm. and so he's like piecing together you weren't actually in that town you were actually in Endovier Mm -hmm. and then he starts to put together who does he know that went into Endovier around that time and he pieces it together without saying her name out loud mm-hmm. um, and kind of an exclamation like you're a girl like and I don't think I think people knew that she was female I think it's surprising how young she is with the reputation that Selena Sardothi and Adderland's assassin has in the country um, but it is interesting. Like it says that he took a step back, like he's been her ally since day one. And when he finds out who she actually is, he like, I don't know. It seems that he just like, doesn't really trust her now or in that moment at least. Um, which is interesting to me because she's done a lot to help him, right? Yeah. She risked her life on the wall. She gave him a warning to stay in her rooms when she knew that something bad might happen. And now she's warning him against even being in the castle at all. So I don't know. I just think it's interesting that he would be like, yeah. So whether it's taken aback yeah. by fear or by surprise, it's just like, it's a moment of shock of in realization for him. Yeah. Um, but he's he now realizes and he puts it together. He's like, wait a minute. So you have a chance to be the king's champion or you go back. And so that's clicking like, yeah, it makes sense why you're here. Yeah. Like if you don't have the choice. Um, and she's she continues to elaborate on that. Yeah, I can't leave. Like I got to stick around and either lose this thing at the end 
you know, and be forced back there or I'm going to win it. Like, Mm -hmm. so you should, you should leave. You should get out of here. You probably should. Um, She shows him the, the actual bite mark saying like, I know I just tried to hide it a minute ago and told you to mind your business, but she says, I received this from a creature I can't even begin to describe to you, nor would you believe me if I tried. But there are five of us now, and because the test is tomorrow, that means one more night being at risk or we're at risk. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't really understand. It's all being thrown at him really fast. Yeah. Um, And they also, in the moment, have their instructor like yelling at them, like, come on, y'all got to get to training. He's like, Burlo's calling for them the whole time. Um, But, yeah, it's, it's another big reveal there. Yeah. And this time it's like somebody else putting the pieces of the puzzle together and not just her just spilling the whole truth. But right. it's still it's still a good I think a good and big reveal. Yeah, and it's good I think for her, like she continues to care about others, like despite her being an assassin. Like her, one of her like main character traits is her empathy um, for others. So I just like that that's continuing here. Um, And he ultimately thanks her for warning him when she could have just, just done nothing. And she notes like, you were the only one who bothered to take me seriously. Which is true. Yeah. Out of all 24 champions, he was the only one that like brokered a relationship with her. Yeah. At all. So that's really cool. And mm-hmm. I don't know. He also just makes a cool exit here too. Yeah. Like never did she have to say it aside from body language and a nod. But he's like, Selena, rip Kane's head off. Yeah. Like just a, a cool little exit that we get from Knox. Yeah, and he's like just saying like that he's on her side and is for her and is cheering for her and then it says that he leaves the castle without saying anything to anyone. Bye, Knox. Yeah, makes me wonder what happens to Knox. Who knows? Only time will tell. (laughs) Or maybe he's just gone forever. Maybe he's gone forever. Yeah. It's an interesting, interesting character because he was, he's, Easily written as to the reader as someone who's favorable. He's around. He's an ally. He doesn't do anything shady. Like supports your protagonist. Yeah. Um, but is definitely like a secondary or tertiary character or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's enjoyable. There aren't like a bunch of scenes in the book that. You're like, well, that fell flat. Yeah. Like he's he generally good scenes and yeah. good exposition when they're talking. So and it, it, it'll be interesting for me to see, like, is he a character that's just written off into the sunset there or does he reemerge at some point? Because mm-hmm. um, I could see it kind of working out either way. Yeah, for sure. But okay. he's gone. He's left. And then there were four. And there were four. Um, then we have this very little blip. This is a very weird little section from Caltane's point of view, which you all know how we feel about Caltane. Um, but she's essentially like in this opium high, it seems like. 
and she's walking through the castle. Uh, it's like five o'clock at night, so it's not too late, but she is like, I don't know how to describe it. Like how I picture her. She's just like walking in this daze and it describes um, her interaction with somebody who's walking towards her. And it says that shadows seemed to leak from him flowing onto the stones and the windows and the walls like spilled ink. And then she was like, I don't know, it was a really interesting like she's not able to even swallow around him. Like her mouth dries up. Mm-hmm. And then um, she notes that there's like this whisper of wings that fills the air as he draws right. closer. And then she starts thinking that she's seeing things that are swooping past this man. And like it says swift, vicious circles hovering above him and then it's Cain like he acknowledges her and it says that it's Cain that's doing that and she didn't even say anything she just continued on and that's it and it's just like so weird Mm -hmm. because you're in the sense like is she in this opium high and she's like seeing things that aren't there yeah like some kind of psychedelic effect of a drug yeah or is she through this opium high somehow being able to see into this other realm? Because we do know at this point that Cain is associated with some kind of evil. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. It's yeah, at the very least, it seems like what her high is experiencing, but also what the physical world that yeah. she's set in is kind of like blurry at yeah. this point. And just as a reader, it's about three quarters of a page. Well, maybe a page worth of, of text. And it's just like thrown in the middle of this. So it's kind of, just kind of interesting positioning of it, but I'm not here to knock it. Yeah. It's just interesting. Yeah. I also think it's, it's, I'll just say this because, On a reread, this scene makes more sense to me after what we see later. Yes. Um, yeah, and I can come back to that when we when we actually get there. Yeah, and then I think that'll be next episode, right? Or the next one. I think it's the 10th episode that we'll get there. Um, all right, so last part of the chapter. Ooh, no, it's not. No, this chapter is long. Uh, Well, next part of the chapter then um, is later that night. Selena is with Dorian in her rooms. They're playing a game of chess um, and just spending some time together. Um, And she's enjoying her time. I do think it's interesting she notes that she would never in a million years tell Dorian about the Ritterac. And I get her like reasoning behind that because she would never want that information to somehow get to the King because of how dangerous that would be. But 
in the previous chapter, she did note that she really, really wanted to tell Kane, uh, to tell Kale, but she couldn't because he wouldn't trust her anymore. Mm-hmm. So I just think that's interesting. Little, yeah, and I would push back on that a little bit. I don't um, know that it's trust her as much as trust the situation with her being in. Sure, I think that Kale would want to jump in and like put two hands on the situation, be like. Yeah. We got to change your room or we got to find this or blah, blah, blah. I think you would want to like start doing things. Yeah. But I think not on the account of, oh, you've broken trust or you've broken faith. I think he'd be like, no, this situation is just too open. Um, But I think the point here is that she wanted to tell him from the moment that yeah. he was in her doorway. And here she kind of clearly wouldn't tell him in a million years. And to me, that's telling of something deeper. I know that Dorian and Kale are different in, within uh, different roles within the, the kingdom. Mm-hmm. But as far as just the relationships are, are operating, I think that's, uh, to me, it's kind of telling. Yeah. But we'll um, see. Yeah. And in this this night, they're just kind of bantering back and forth as they do, talking pretty shallowly at this point about their game and um, whatever. And he ends up reaching for her hand and holding it across the table, which is really cute. Because again, like we know how deeply affectionate Dorian feels towards Selena. Yeah. And for Selena at this point, it is very surface level. Um, yeah. They're like in different places. And that's something yeah. that I've had to kind of wrestle through as a reader yeah. because I'm used to like, I'm used to when I, when I read stories that have like romance in it, like a romantic relationship, it, to me, it's generally been like, you can feel the tension yes. in it, but it's general for me, it's been genu- genuinely like happening at the same time, like a parallel tension, like the relationship is growing to this climax of romance. But in this one, I, I mean, I don't even know how they're going to end up, but right now there, there is like flirtatious tension at times, yeah. but it's not the same depth. Like right. what Dorian thinks and feels about Selena is not what Selena thinks and feels about Dorian. Mm-hmm. And I think it's pretty clear. Yeah. Because when you get a Dorian POV, he's like over the moon. And when you get a Selena POV, it's like. She literally, she, I mean, literally on the next and, page, it's like, I want to keep him here so I don't have to be alone tonight because she's afraid of Kane and the Ritterac. Like she's using him. At this point, yeah. I mean, she enjoys his company and likes kissing him and is physically attracted to him. But she's using his affection for her to feel safe. There you go. You call it like it is. Yeah. Well, that's true. Maybe she's not using her brain like Kale said. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. It, it, for me... It is interesting to read a potential romance, but that romance being in a different 
place, like it's out of step, when a lot of the romances I have read have seemed to be in step or or you have like kind of star-crossed lovers as it yeah. were and you can tell like they're in this dance and it's just not the right time yes. and like it's all in- exhaustingly frustrating. Yes. But you can tell where it's going. This, I actually don't Looking have a Looking at good, you, Cassandra Clare. Yeah, for this I don't <laughs> have a read on like where is this ultimately going. Yeah. I, I don't know mm-hmm. because they are actually seemingly in like different maturities yep. in their affection for one another. Yep. So, um, well, anyways, so ultimately like they get in this kind of flirtatious dialogue about she asks because they're holding hands again across the table and Selena asks are you gonna kiss me again and Dorian's like I think I'd like to and he leans in for the kiss and she blurts out I saw your dad today (laughs) what a big buzzkill I know honestly um but like I could just imagine us dating or something yeah and you like telling me that yeah what a buzzkill yeah thanks cool okay Good night. We'll talk talk later, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. So he he takes it well, though. He's like, I think he understands the gravity that, like, his dad's presence being back in the castle means to Selena for lots of different reasons that he already knows that she's not comfortable around him. But also, he knows that his presence means that obviously we're doing, going to be doing the duels and then the competition is coming to an end and Selena's fate will be determined, et cetera, et cetera. Like Dorian is a smart guy. He knows what that means. So he takes it kind of in stride. Um, and he's like, you didn't say that to avoid the inevitable. Did you like trying to continue on with his kissing? But then Selena actually does because of her, the way like where her train of thought leads to with like Cain and the evil and the Ritterac and her really truly being afraid to stay by herself and for Dorian to leave. And then she like, she's like trembling and Dorian starts to get really actually worried for her. And yeah, then Selena's like, maybe I should tell him. I think because she knows that Dorian cares about her, like revealing that stuff might be helpful to her. Yeah, and it might be helpful to her, but at the same time, like in a practical sense, if she starts talking about Cain and this darkness and, and everything, again, like would Dorian, even against against her suggestions, like would he be able to contain himself? As the prince, he might be like, I've got to go put two hands on this situation and try to control this. Mm -hmm. Like, I got to stop the competition or I got to go talk to Kale and how are we going to deal with this? Do you think that's a man thing? I think that there's an instinctive (laughs) part of that, yes. Yeah. Um, And I don't think that it would be... Because you mentioned that about Kale as well. Yeah, I do not think that it would be... um, Perhaps this is blind, but I don't think it would be like a sexist type of reaction, like, oh, the man's got to control this. Mm -hmm. I think it would be more of, like, this instinct of, like, 
they are both in more authority than she is. Mm-hmm. And that's no fault of their own. They simply are. Right. I think the captain of the guard would want to protect her and protect the situation. Her room is not secure. Mm-hmm. What in the world's going on in these tunnels? Dorian as the prince would be like, I can't stand for my champion to be in threat. Even if they were just keeping it super black and white. The gray is that they have feelings for her and they're French friends with her and all that stuff. Yeah. And I think that both of them would take that information and even if Selena were trying to say, we just need to let it run its course. We just need to get to the duels, like all this stuff. I don't think that they would, I don't think either of them would, would let it get to that point. I think they would want to go solve the case or Dorian would want to go to his father and be like, we have had this problem going on for months now of murders and we know what it is now. Mm-hmm. We have to do something about this. Yeah. And I don't, yeah, I, I, I so I would, don't think it's yeah. like a mansplaining man, take control. Rah, 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 cave, <laughs> cave man thing. I don't think it would be that okay. so much as in this case, they are both in more authority mm-hmm. and they love her. Yeah. They have like a genuine care mm-hmm. for her and Again, I don't think that there's anything wrong with the biological instinct to protect. I think that's kind of baked in the cake. Yeah, I know. Anybody like, that wants to fight with that can, you know, go fight with science. Like, that's baked into the cake. Yeah. That's that's it. And this is Sarah J. Mass's book, not my book. It's just the way that it is. Right. So, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Well... Anyway, so she has all of these thoughts in her mind and to, I think, twofold, keep him there and also to keep herself from telling him, yeah, everything. Um, She just like basically tackles him into a kiss and they start making out. Yeah, it's a cheap move. Yeah. Because it taps into the man's base instinct of (laughs) let's have sex. Yeah. And she's using, well, it's her base instinct is probably security and safety. Yeah. And she can find that in this male companionship. And she gets the benefits too of the touchy-feely and all of the all the things. But she's coping by using somebody. Yeah. It says literally, she kissed him hoping to steal some of his air. Her fingers entangled themselves in his hair, and as he kissed her fiercely, she let everything fade away. So she's just, I don't know, like, I i love Zelina. I love her. She's great. But this is not a good move. It's not fair to Dorian. Yeah, it's cheap. And she is. She's coping. Yeah. By using somebody. Yeah. And he is fine with it. Well, he doesn't know better. He doesn't know better, but he's also fine with it. Yeah. You know. I don't know. I just, they he were really having doesn't a, They were know. having like a deep moment for a second where yeah. he's like, wait a minute, you look, look bothered. Are you okay? Like, yeah. I want to, oh, okay, thanks. Kiss me. Thanks. Appreciate that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. She well, almost knocked him to the floor, it says. Yeah. Good Lord. I know. So she was really... Really trying to get away from her thoughts. <laughs> For sure. I wrote under that, like, end of paragraph. I just wrote, okay, that happened. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. Um, the next section identifies that it's now 3 o'clock in the morning. 
Um, And after hours of kissing and talking and more kissing, Dorian had just left. And she mentions like she really wanted him to stay. But then. Yeah, she wants protection. Yeah. She didn't. She's afraid of the Ritterac and of Cain. Like, and what could they do? Yeah. Yeah. She makes the comment in her thought process like, I should not have left Damaris down in that tomb. Yeah. Like she wants protection. Yeah. And if somebody's here, nothing's going to happen. Like that's what it comes down to. Yeah. So so she's like, I need this sword or I need Kale or I need Dorian. I need somebody here with me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then she starts thinking about obviously Cain because of the situation and how he learned about the word marks. And it says... Cain must have learned about the word marks in the White Fang Mountains, that cursed borderland between Adderlin and the Western Wastes. They said that evil still crept out of the ruins of the Witch Kingdom and that old women with iron teeth still wandered the lonely roads of the mountain passes. Mm-hmm. So she's like thinking of like mm-hmm. all of the like scary stories I'm sure that she's heard in the dark of the night and yeah. like scaring herself even more. And, and yeah. And it's like, what percentage of truth are there in all the lore? Yeah. And she's, and she's like, even if it's 5% true, yeah, that's not good. I know. But for me, that's super fascinating to me. Like all that, that you just unpacked. Um, because I'm thinking about the stench of the dead world and the, the, the brewing cauldron and what happened in those white thing mountains. Like yeah. what, what was it? Yeah, we're you getting know, did, like did, little tiny little, drops of hints. There's some witches up there that are like doing some crazy stuff up with those soldiers. Like what's happening? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Yep. There you go. Um, uh, basically, Selena is I just I also don't saying, understand what a witch kingdom is. Like what is a witch kingdom? A kingdom that is run by witches? Yes, yeah, so, but I don't understand what that is. Would that not be a queendom? They have a king that's over all the witches. Like that seems semantically inaccurate, but babe, I'm just no. I'm really being honest. Well, that's fine, but like all fantasy, you think of a kingdom, right? Yeah, and the it's the seven in the name. kingdoms. Yeah, it's like a even when Cersei was the queen of the seven kingdoms. Like, I don't sure, know. But it's just that, the way that, that it is. starts with the male hierarchy, which everybody wants to overthrow, apparently. Like, <laughs> here, this is, it's a special, it's like witches. Yeah. It's a coven or whatever you want to call it. It's not patriarchal. Like, I don't, I just didn't understand I, the witch kingdom. It sounds ominous. Yeah. Like, I don't know. The witch kingdom of the West, the witch queendom of the West. I don't know. I just, it just stuck with me. Okay. Because it doesn't seem like witches would have a king. I don't know that they would. So, so why call it a king? I don't know that's because that's exactly just what they're what called. That's just what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> I, uh, I would want I to know. be evaluating that as a writer and be like, what is, why? Well, I just feel like also if she just threw in a queendom, like people would be like, Okay. Yeah, so it's like a writing workshop. You got to find out what it is. You can call it a coven, the witch lands, the witch something. Like, I don't know. Okay. 
Do you want to keep talking about that? No, I just, (laughs) I question it. Okay, noted. Thank you. All right. Uh, Then we have a quick dream. So eventually Selena fell asleep and we have a nightmare um, and it describes thundering hooves, Selena running, trees ripping at her dress. She's trying to get to this bridge. She falls. She hears a sword being drawn from its sheath. And then she wakes up. It's the wild hunt. Ooh. Sounds kind of like that. I don't know. I don't know. Like Siri being chased by those crazy people. Um. Anyways, anything you take away from that nightmare? She has lots of nightmares. Mm-hmm. Trauma will do that to you. Yeah. She is trauma-laden because she does not very much... I don't know if she has dreamed... Like in the sense of like dream, like a fantasy dream. Yeah. I think she's only had nightmares. Yeah. Like night terrors. Or like encounters with dead people. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Selena. But yeah, agreed. Trauma would do that to you. Like yeah. your mind is messed up at a deep level. Mm-hmm. Not even your fault, but it just is messed up at a deep level. And so whatever is creating your, your dreamscape is also rattled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... The next section is Selena waking up from that nightmare, um, kind of blaming the amulet that she's wearing, like not protecting her against the dream, which seems kind of silly. Like, I don't know. I guess we haven't seen it in any kind of protective state other than just warning her of danger. But. Are you in true danger if it's just in your mind? I don't know. Are you in true danger even if it's in your mind? That's worth unpacking. Okay. What is your thoughts? Or what are your thoughts? Is something dangerous if it's in your mind? I mean, it can be if it leads you to act outwardly in your mind by itself and left alone no because it's just there but if there's something that's really like nagging at you and kind of tearing you from the inside ultimately that's going to come out so that is a potential threat Yeah, I would lead along the same lines that something in your mind is dangerous Um, and dangerous has a negative connotation. Perhaps I would say something in your mind has potential. And like you said, if it if it influences your words and actions, then yeah. Mm -hmm. But even if it doesn't, I don't. Can you actually remove something from your mind. Yeah, like dissociate yourself from that. Yeah, that'd be really hard to do, a Mm -hmm. thought or an idea or whatever. Without Um, getting it out. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it doesn't have to be physical danger. You could could have a dangerous thought or something that leads to actual 
danger on the outside. So yeah, I would say um, it is like thoughts. Thoughts are dangerous. That's what I would I would say. But yeah. But what about a nightmare? Like you're not controlling that necessarily. Like but, literally but in the book, she was talking about the danger of the nightmare and whatever and the amulet not protecting her against that. You're subconsciously controlling it, right? It's well, not coming from the outside world. you control your world. subconscious? I don't think so. No, that's, it's, yeah, but I'm saying like you control you. Like there are mechanisms at work, even our breathing Right, is involuntary. Mm-hmm. So like if you think about dreaming as being an involuntary mechanism. It's just processing. Like it's still controlled by us. You've gone we through. just don't have active control over it. Yeah. So it's kind of scary. Yeah. Um, but, and that's where the trauma piece I think is so important for Selena's character is that there's been so much outside of her control. Mm-hmm that is impacting her at a really deep level where if, if, if it were just somebody else that maybe was in a different upbringing that didn't lose their parents, did not have a murder situation that haven't killed so many people, whatever, maybe they never have nightmares. Even I think we all are prone to like a scary dream or a nightmare or night terror or something like that. But I think the volume of them, Mm-hmm probably universally much lower when you look at the lower trauma that you have. I guess, and that also would depend on like your tendency towards having anxiety and all of that. Yeah, and that's negative emotion though. Yeah, but I may not... Those are all small traumas. Yeah, but I may not like have trauma... In the sense of Selena's trauma. No, but but I would stand really firm with the idea that maybe there are different degrees like of sunburns, just like different degrees of traumas, mm-hmm. you know. And people can even be far removed from a trauma that still impacts them. Sure. And I think you could have traumatic experience like... Like today, we have good relationships with our siblings. Mm-hmm. Are there people that have better relationships with their siblings? Probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, I have a brother and a sister. You have a brother. We would say we have good relationships with mm-hmm. our siblings. There could be trauma between like my sister and I from the past or my brother and I from the past. Mm-hmm. But that still like pops up. Every once in a while. Yeah. I'm not saying that it does. I'm just saying that is possible. Sure. You know, um, and I think, I think that that also drives us into a conversation about like your peace after a traumatic event and the idea of forgiveness for a situation. Yeah. Right. Like, if something bad happens to you that you didn't control, um, all you do control is how you respond to it ultimately, right? And do you do you, does a person allow something to continue to create resentment in them? Because if that's true, then they probably haven't forgiven that situation. 
um, not truly. Not that they just forget it out of their memory, but have they, do they, we were talking about it earlier, like, do you appreciate what you meet? Right? The Fremen proverb is like, Mm -hmm. are you prepared to appreciate what you meet? And so even if that means trauma, yeah, that could have some really ugly scars. But if you have an appreciation for the the opportunity to grow, maybe you could face like a really bad breakup or somebody that betrayed you or um, I, even like a physical assault or a divorce or something like that with just a really somber, like humble, that was a bad situation and this is how it hurt me. And this is how I think I could maybe grow from it. Like maybe that's how you process the trauma to where it's mm-hmm. no longer traumatic for you. I don't know. I'm not a psychologist. Yeah. And I'm, I can't, I don't know. But I would say that people that continue to have really bad anxieties and fears or like temper flare-ups because of past things, it's not because the today is bad. Just because that stuff got set off. Right. And they've never been reconciled. Yeah. Um, And then like truly processed what happened. Like, and we see students all the time. Yeah. That it's like you're acting unbelievably inhumane right now, but has nothing to do with right now. Yeah. It has everything to do with another situation. Right. It's at home or it's instability or it's Mm -hmm. some trauma. Yeah. And it's like, man, if we could somehow get through processing that, maybe you would never even get to that point where you have so much like, yeah, I don't know. And we, we all got into that. We got down this road talking about dreams. Right. But like how your dreams are impacted by your trauma. Um, yeah. I mean, we noticed that even in like our four-year-old. Like the very first times that she was encountering more mature things and more mature things for a three and four year old is like reconciling like, wait a minute, that character passed away in that Disney movie. Yeah. Like, like mom and dad. That's death. Oh my gosh. What is death? And like that becomes like a, well, I could die. You guys could die. My dog could die. My parents could die. What's going to, what's going to happen? So like we've seen that as young parents, like- that can create trauma right? on a small scale, but not for a four-year-old. They're like, I don't want to sleep alone. Yeah. I don't want, I, that is true. Like there is something like very real about right. that, that I would never like want to like advise another set of parents. Like, don't, don't listen to your kid. Yeah. Like make them sleep in their room. Do you end up a night? Like, no, I'd be like, no, lean into that. Like have those conversations. Yeah. Talk to your child. Like yeah. be there for them because it's real. Yeah. And um, developmentally, like Bryn can sleep in our bed right now because like her perception, like she's afraid, like that's okay. She's four. She can be afraid. Yeah. And it's not that big of an imposition for her to be sleeping in our bed. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, and it's always a trade-off because I don't think for anybody, whether it's the four-year-old wanting to sleep in your bed or the 14-year-old who's acting like a turd because of something else that's going on, you don't want 
as an individual, yourself, or for other people to be living out of a spirit of fear because that just grips you and then you mm-hmm. just normalize bad behaviors. Yeah. That's like we've got to get or past that. Or an assassin that. making out with her boyfriend because she doesn't want him to leave because she's afraid. Yeah. Manipulative. <laughs> yeah, man. It's all a thing. You just got to be open. I'm afraid. Can you stay with me? <laughs> and he would probably be like, yeah. Yeah. She wouldn't even have to say why she's afraid, probably. I mean, it's clear that your head over here is swimming. Will you just, like, stay? Please stay. Um, yeah. Good chat. That was a good chat. Off topic a little bit from our novel, but that's okay. Real talk is good talk. Um, all right, chapter ends with receiving the news that there is no last test um, that it had been canceled and that the duel would be moved up. So she would duel against Grave, Renault, and Kane, and tomorrow her freedom would be decided. Oh, yeah. So there it goes. All right, and now that leads us into the last chapter of our section, which is chapter 46. Chapter 46. Super short. It is. Um, All right, so our summary is our main characters become reflective on the eve of the final duel. There it is. (laughs) What's your title? Is it one word? No. <laughs> the mind is a sieve. Oh, good. We were talking about this earlier. Yeah. That's from the movie Persuasion. By Jane Austen? Yeah. Or the story by Jane Jane Austen? Yeah. I've never read that book. Actually, I no, might have like skimmed the book when I, in college. There was one Jane Austen novel that I did that, but I don't remember which one it was. So I don't know if that quote, that to say, I don't know if that quote is from the novel or just the, or just the, the movie film. yeah okay but it's from that story my mind is a sieve it's a little metaphor will you um explain that once we get there yeah very good all right well we start this chapter with dorian's point of view um I like glanced at this at the beginning. It's been a little bit since I finished reading this chapter. And I was like, is Dorian in a dream too? But he's not. He's actually out in the forest and it is winter. So it's frozen. And Dorian had decided to go on a hunt to kind of clear his mind. Um, Again, because Selena is about to go into the duel and... um. He, I feel like, is anxious about her fate, I yeah. guess. They've what, come so far. Yeah. She's like, come so far. And he obviously like cares about her deeply. And regardless of whether she wins or whether she loses, like things are going to change. Because I think, like, deep down, as much as he cares about Selena, I don't think that he, I think he true, like, he knows that there's no way that he's going to be able to be with her, truly, right? 
I don't know. What do you think? Oh, As an assassin, like you are my my father's personal hitman, hit woman. Yeah. Like, how does that in any world work out? Yeah. And he's a smart guy. Yeah. So he, he is, should probably he think through that. He is smart, but he is like inner monologuing about like, well, I may have gone too far. Like, I shouldn't have kissed her. But now that I have, and now that I've kind of gotten to know her, as I have gotten to know Selena, like, I don't want to be with anyone else. Like, like she is his focus. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that trumps his better judgment um, about it. I think it trumps his, his smart and savvy. Because, yeah, this isn't a likely relationship to yeah. survive. Right. With if she wins this thing. Or if she goes back to Endovia, like, it's like, this is not adding up. And I think that's partly what Kale had been seeing all along. Mm-hmm. His feelings for Selena aside. Yeah. But at the same time, he cannot ignore, he can't ignore paragraph two. That he sees her face each time he closes his eyes. Yeah. She haunted his thoughts, made him wish to do grand and wonderful things in her name, made him want to be a man who deserved to wear a crown. Like, and we, that's come up a couple different times. Yeah. Kale has noticed that change in him when Selena is yeah. around Dorian. Um, Dorian has felt that kind of call and that bigness around, um, around Selena at the ball, like when he sees her come in Mm -hmm. and he feels like he's got this, it's like this pride of Mm -hmm. she makes me want to be a better man, like a better person. Um, He can't ignore that. And so that does make him look past like the practicality of the relationship. Yeah. Well, any last thoughts about Dorian? I'll come back to it when we talk about the sieve. Okay. All right. And then the chapter ends with Selena also, like I said, being reflective. Um, she is at her balcony doors. She's staring down into Rifthold. Um, she's considering things like the king, like Knox and Kale and Dorian and that she's going to face Kane tomorrow and thinking to herself, would it be honorable to fall in a duel or to return to Endovir or would it be more honorable to die than become the King's champion, um, et cetera. So she's going through all of these like really, really deep thoughts, um, of, kind of the weight and the burden that's on her shoulders. Um, She thinks about Elena and the call that she had to become the champion. Um, She worries about who she might have to kill if she does become the king's champion because as Adderland's assassin working for Arab and Hamill, 
she was able to kind of write her own terms for who what jobs she accepted, right? And as the king's assassin, she would not have that freedom, I don't think. And so she's worried about that. Um, anyways, so lots of thoughts yeah. from her. So this chapter gives us two sh- relatively short POVs. Mm-hmm. Um, there are no words. Um, as far as dialogue, it's all thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's really interesting because everybody's heading to the same tomorrow with the duel, coming at it from different perspectives. Dorian is safe. He has nothing to fear other than, as you put it, the fate of Selena. And then you have Selena who does have much to fear. She'll be in the in the crosshairs, as it were. Um, she doesn't know if she's going to duel Cain first or duel mm-hmm. him second if she wins or whatever, but she's like, I'm going to face Cain in this kind of culmination of what fear would look like. And um, I found this chapter interesting, not like super elating or exciting or anything, but interesting or intriguing because of where the mind of and thoughts of our characters go to. Because when there's a bunch of things swirling around in your world and then you have time to just be alone with your thoughts, your mind is a sieve. And it's going to catch the things that don't matter and it's going to pour through and everything's going to filter through to the things that do. Mm-hmm. And so I like the contrast in this chapter. For Dorian, everything is about Selena. Yeah. I think that's immature. I don't think that's a good or healthy place to be. But that's what I'm reading is that yeah. everything goes back to her. Is it a big time? Is all the action going to hinge on these duels tomorrow? Yes, I get it. But it's like, but the... But he doesn't have not, anything else to lose. Right. The, it still doesn't change the fact that he's thinking about her all the time. Yeah. And he really has no other reason to think about her. She is an assassin. She is here for a tournament, but he is like in her rooms at night. He's, he's kind of in this little dalliance with her. He needs to go in on a hunt to clear his head of her, but he can't. Like, the mind is a sieve, and all you get back is Selena. When you look at Selena, it shows how much complexity is in her life. Because while things come down to, like, what's important, mm-hmm. um, it does come down to the, the what is the duel, right? Because that's going to decide everything. But the why in everything goes to like this very last paragraph. It says, Selena swallowed the lump in her throat. Perhaps there were other reasons to fight tomorrow. So just uh, reasons basically other than her freedom, which is where it all kind of started. Yeah. Um, but but perfe- perhaps there were other reasons to fight tomorrow. Perhaps a few months in the castle hadn't been enough. Uh, perhaps, perhaps she wanted to stay here for reasons other than her eventual freedom. That was one thing that hope that the hopeless assassin uh, from Indovier 
would have never believed. And in the the prior paragraph, it talks about um, would she have laughed at this situation if she had known that other things and other people would come to mean as much as her freedom. And so for her, her why is becoming about all these other people. And you've talked about like she's always helping others even in the face of this, you know, rigorous and unforgiving competition. She's helped others along the way. Um, She's protected other people and everything. She's felt empathy for other characters, um, for the rebels, for Nehemia, even like in understanding like Dorian and Kale. And so despite all the complexity of like, could I fight for the king? Will I be responsible for other people's deaths? Can I tell him no? Would it be more honorable ethically mm-hmm. just to die in the duels than to be subservient to him? Like out of all this like complexity, it comes back to these other people mm-hmm. are worth it. And she, you get this think thought of just like, I, I want to win because of them. Yeah. Um, so, well, I mean, when you think about it, like, yes, she has a lot more going on, but ultimately the same things are coming out of their sieves, right? The people that they care about, ultimately, mm-hmm. the people that are at stake for Dorian, Selena is at stake, like, and for Selena, Dorian and Kale and Nehemia. And even like she has good relationships with Philippa and Ress and like people that and Knox, right? And Knox is gone at this point, but like, like those are the things that matter. And although it's like more people, mm-hmm. it's still the same. She just has more to sift through than Dorian does. Mm-hmm. I think it is the same in that. It comes back to people and relationships. But I think it's telling that Selena's been here a mere months. Yeah. And there are all these people. But Dorian is not thinking about anyone else. Yeah. Like, but again, like I he know, has no, like, no, there's nobody else at stake. Right. But, and it may be because he doesn't know better, but he's not thinking Kale is at stake here. He's not thinking about. Well, he's, he's not. He's not thinking about the other people. Yeah. But he doesn't have the sense of urgency about, like, he's the second one in line. But he doesn't have the same sense of urgency about everything. Mm -hmm. Because I guess he doesn't understand, because he doesn't, the the more existential threat. Yeah. Like this darkness or evil. But at the same time, it does show him that he's a little bit imperceptive. Like, he is second in line and he doesn't realize all the depth of his father's cruelty and evil nature yeah and now maybe He's selena like will be a little the one, naive right maybe or maybe he just hasn't been able to turn over that stone that shows the true evil of his father yeah but selena is now like hasn't necessarily pinned it to the king but she's like got this sense about it mm-hmm. and then she definitely has with Cain, right about this evil and so she's putting those things together and Dorian's not. So I, I guess it's an unfair take yeah. to put that on him. But I just see different levels of maturity. 
I agree. In this, like, she has empathy for all these people, and he's just like, I'm thinking about this one girl. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe and that's she, just reflective of their life experience. And maybe that's well. true. But if she dies, his world is going to end. Like, but, but what? Yeah. Like, your life's not going to end. You're going to be the <laughs> prince of Adderlin. Yeah. You're, you're like, Maybe not at this moment, but you're one moment away from being the most powerful person on the continent. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, I He's get He's got some growing up to do. I get do. your heartstrings are I think attached. They all but do, like, but if she dies in the duel, it's it's you and Kale and, like, mm-hmm. you're the prince. Like, I don't know. I'm harsher. I'm harsh on my sex. I know. I got a lot of expectations. A lot of immature dudes out there (laughs) that don't know how to think about anything than more than one thing. Yeah. It's just frustrating. Sure. But anyways, I just think that was an interesting chapter because it just showed where the mind goes when there is a lot at stake. Yeah. And it actually distills back down or it sieves back down to Mm -hmm. what is most important to you. Yeah. Um, I think it's important that we get alone with our thoughts and and we process through like what's important to us so that we can take care of those things and yeah um yeah so we got after 46 we have eight chapters left yep eight chapters left to unpack yep That'd the finale we'll see what storylines close and what storylines begin yeah or are left unfinished yeah so we're planning on obviously finishing this season as far as chapter deep dives. And then we had some ideas for some a little more like lighthearted episodes doing like a fan casting of the characters, potentially like doing a segue episode into Jordan's expectations in book two. Yeah. And I don't know. Because I've still yet to read a page. Uh, yeah. Please don't even two. read the back. Yeah. I've been told don't touch the book. Don't, don't open the it. book. Don't read the back of the book. <laughs> don't don't turn to the back of the book. I am so big against spoilers. I do yeah. not. And especially this story means so much to me. Like I don't want you to be spoiled. And I think we agree on that. I'm yeah. I want to avoid spoilers. Yeah. On things. Um, I mean, you know, it's a different lane, but you know, like sport spoilers. I hate oh my gosh. those. I'm like, why did that Who score is it? just is it get ESPN revealed? or Peacock? ESPN is like super terrible. bad about spoiling things. Like their desire to tell sports news ruins sports <laughs> so many times because you're like, I wanted to see the game. Yeah. If you're looking at a recording of a game or like going into their whatever. Like their platform. Their platform to like see a game that was on earlier. Like why would you put the score on the icon? That's so dumb. Yeah. Things like that really frustrate me. So to the point, I haven't touched the book. I haven't even gotten it off the shelf that you have it on. No. Um, I was able to, I'm using this podcast as an excuse to buy the new books with the new covers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because welcome. when I read this for the first time, 
the new covers had not yet come out. And literally I was on Kingdom of Ash when the new covers came out. And I was like, come on, I can't just go buy eight books just because they have new covers. And now I get to. Yep. So I'm really excited. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for 47 through 54. The next yeah. two, the next two episodes, next two pods, wrap up book number one. Um, do some of the fun, the fun in between stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think honestly, the the dynamic of our shows and conversations will change. Yeah, inevitably, because I will be on a first read, and that just I'm on a reread now. So yeah, that will be an interesting way of approaching. Um, how did that meet your expectations? What was new? Mm-hmm. How did that go against what you thought? Yep. That sort of deal. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited. There's still some action left to unpack here mm-hmm. um, and everything. So I'm excited for that. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, um, as always, thank you guys so much for listening and supporting us through that listening. Um, if you want to get connected more, feel free to follow us over on social media at Book Crossed Lovers. We're on Instagram and TikTok. Admittedly, not that great at posting on social media. We're working on that. Um, but we still would love to have you guys over there. If you have thoughts or feedback or whatever, feel free to send us a little DM and yeah, well, rate I think it would be and interesting review us as well. Within that, like getting getting. Um, like messages or questions mm-hmm. about like our theories yeah. or speculations. I might be able to get more into the theory crafting or the speculation stuff yeah. because you would be the, the all seeing eye, yes. but I might be able to like jump in there with, with those sorts of things, yeah. sorts of things. Or if it's something that we've already unpacked, mm-hmm. like in book one, Hey, what did you think about this character or this scenario or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe we had a take that you just didn't agree with. Yeah. Bring it on. Yeah. I'm I'm ready and open minded to be corrected. I am But if I'm right, I'll I'll just tell you. He will tell you. Um I'm much less confrontational, but I am happy to pass your thoughts on to it's Jordan. Just, so <laughs> it's a very interesting dynamic because in our place of work, I'm a lot less confrontational. Oh, I guess. And I'm so much more relational. Yeah. And everything and Megan is like, guys, I don't like it. This yeah, is the I will tell you or what this I think. is how it should be, blah, 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 like confrontational. It's so interesting like the dynamic of and our I'm like Mr. Accommodating at work. But when we're out of work, I'm like, I have my views and stances and opinions, and this is how it goes, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, yeah. And you're just, mm, it's all good. I know. That's so interesting. I never thought of it like that. I know we've talked about other things that are shifted from work life to personal life, but hmm, we can talk about that on another episode. Yeah. Uh, Anyways. All right. Well, thanks guys. We will see y'all next time. Mm -hmm.